Hello and welcome to episode 30 of Macabre for Mortals. This is the last episode in the three-part series on narcissistic personality disorder. I hope that this series has been informative and that you have been getting a lot out of it. I don't really want to say that have you been enjoying it because some of the subject matter isn't exactly very enjoyable, but I hope that you have a better understanding of narcissistic personality disorder. This is the part of the series where I will be focusing on the victims of narcissistic personality disorder. These people can be so affected by the type of abuse that this personality can inflict that it can take years or sometimes a lifetime to get over it. Hopefully I can, can equip you with the signs and information for you to see if someone you know or yourself is being some, subjected to someone with narcissistic personality disorder. I also just want to say a quick thank you to the feedback that I got from the first two episodes. I understand that hearing the phrase narcissistic personality disorder is can be quite grating, but I don't like using acronyms like NPD. I, I think it takes away from some of the seriousness of the actual disorder and it definitely takes it away from the victims. As always, these are not the only signs of the disorder, but they're the ones that are most prevalent to show up in the most documented research. To recap, narcissistic personality disorder is a complex mental health condition that typically involves low empathy, grandiose or self-inflicted sense of self, and an extreme need for admiration and attention. People with narcissistic personality disorder or narcissistic tendencies sometimes show a pattern of manipulative controlling behavior that involves both verbal abuse and emotional manipulation. This all falls under the umbrella of narcissistic abuse. These tactics can confuse you, make you question your sense of reality and damage your self-esteem. Narcissistic victim syndrome is a term that collectively describes these specific and often severe effects of narcissistic abuse. While it's not a recognized mental health condition, many experts acknowledge that narcissistic abuse can have serious, long-lasting impact on emotional health. Keep in mind that abuse and narcissism aren't always related. A diagnosis of narcissistic personality disorder doesn't automatically translate into abusive behavior, and many people who engage in abuse don't have narcissistic personality disorder. Regardless, a mental health diagnosis never excuses abusive behavior. People choose to abuse and manipulate others, and it's possible to live with the traits of narcissism or any other personality disorder without becoming abusive. With that in mind, here are 12 signs that might suggest that you've experienced some narcissistic abuse. Number one, 
they seemed so perfect at first. Narcissistic abuse tends to follow a clear pattern. Through this pattern, might, though this pattern might look a little different depending on the type of relationship. In a romantic relationship, as shown in research from 2019, it suggests that the abuse typically begins slowly after you've fallen hard and fast. It's no wonder you fell for them. During the love bombing phase, they seemed loving, kind, and generous. They made you feel special and adored with gushing compliments, affectionate displays, and expensive gifts. This early stage might have felt so intense and overwhelming, you never stopped to consider whether they might be too fantastic. Then slowly, negging or other manipulative tactics begin to replace the gifts and declarations of love. Narcissistic parents might also offer love, adoration, praise and financial support until you do something to displease them and lose their favour. Then they too often turn to tactics like negging, silent treatment and gaslighting. Number two, people doubt the abuse took place. Narcissistic abuse is often subtle. When it happens in public, it might be so well disguised that others hear or see same behaviours and fail to recognise them as abuse. You might not even fully understand what's happening yourself. You only know you feel confused, upset, or even guilty for your mistakes. A narcissistic parent might gently say, are you sure you want to eat dessert? Or they might turn a broken dish into a joke at your expense. You're so clumsy, you just can't help yourself, can you? They laugh with everyone in the room while patting your shoulder to make the insult seem well-intentioned. You would hope friends and loved ones believe you, but unfortunately this doesn't always happen. Your loved ones might not doubt your belief you were abused, but they might question your perception of events or assure you, you must have misunderstood them. They'd never hurt you intentionally. This doubt can be doubly harming. Not only does it dismantle your faith in your loved ones, it can lead you to wonder whether the abuse took place at all. Maybe you did read too much into their words or imagine that the look on the face. Number three, they've started a smear campaign. People with narcissistic traits often need to maintain their image of perfection in order to keep earning admiration from others. To do this, they may try making you look bad. Once you begin pointing out problems or questioning their behavior, they might lash out by openly directing their rage towards you with insults and threats or involving others to, into criticizing you. By telling your loved ones stories that twist the facts about your harmful or unstable behavior, the narcissist tries to discredit you. Even worse, when you react angrily, and who wouldn't, they use your response to back up their lies. 
People with narcissism often have a knack for charming others. That persona they showed you in the beginning, everybody else still sees that. They can often win support from their loved ones who haven't seen through the facade by insisting they only have your best interests at heart. Then when you try explaining the abuse, your loved ones might side with them. Number four, you feel isolated. When your loved ones won't listen to you, you probably feel pretty alone. This leaves you vulnerable to further manipulation. The person abusing you may pull you back with kindness, even apologies, or by pretending the abuse never happened. This tactic is also known as hoovering and often works better when you lack support. You're more likely to doubt your perceptions of the abuse when you can't talk to anybody about it. If your loved ones reach out to say you've made a mistake and encourage you to give the abusive partner another chance, you might end up doing so simply to regain that connection with them. Number five, you freeze up. People respond to abuse and other trauma in a multitude of different ways. You might attempt to confront the abusive person, fight or escape the situation, flight. If these methods don't work or you feel unable to use them, you might respond by freezing instead. The freeze response usually happens when you feel helpless. It involves dissociation since emotionally distancing yourself from the abuse can help decrease its intensity, effectively numbing some of the pain and distress you experience. While freezing can have some benefit in certain situations, it doesn't help much when you can escape from danger. If you believe there is no way out of the relationship, you might remain in it instead of seeking support to help you leave safely. I'll talk on this more in a moment. Number six, you have trouble making decisions. A pattern of devaluation and criticism can leave you with very little self-esteem and confidence. Narcissistic abuse often involves frequent implications that you make bad decisions and you can't do anything right. An abusive partner may even call you stupid or ignorant outright, though they may insult you with a falsely affectionate tone. Honey, you're so dumb. How would you manage without my help? Over time, you might start absorbing these insults and attaching them to your self-perception, constantly second-guessing yourself as a result. Gaslighting tactics can also make you doubt your decision-making abilities. If someone manipulates you into believing imagined things that actually took place, you might continue doubting your perception of events. This uncertainty can affect your ability to make decisions well into the future. Seven, you always feel like you've done something wrong. A key characteristic of narcissism is difficulty taking responsibility for any negative actions or harmful behavior. 
Abusive partners typically find some way to cast blame on you instead. They might accomplish this through deceit, often by insisting they said something you have no recollection of, getting so angry that you end up soothing them by apologizing and agreeing you are wrong. Say you suspect they have cheated on you. You explain the concerning behaviors you've noticed and ask if something's going on. They respond with extreme anger. How dare you doubt my loyalty after I show you again and again how much I love you? How would you even know I've had phone calls from someone? You've been snooping through my things. Obviously, you don't care about me at all. You're so disengaged. You don't even enjoy having sex. If I were having an affair, it would be because you were so boring in bed. These barrages of rage can leave you feeling helpless and dependent. Grateful that they're willing to remain with someone who makes so many mistakes like you. Even after leaving the relationship, you might carry forward the belief you can't do anything right when things go wrong in other areas of your life. You might struggle to accept that you didn't cause those problems. Number eight, you have unexplained physical symptoms. Abuse can trigger anxious and nervous feelings that sometimes lead to physical symptoms. You might notice appetite changes, upset stomach or nausea, stomach pain and other gastrointestinal distress, muscles, aches and pains, insomnia and fatigue. Using alcohol and other substances can sometimes seem like a helpful way to manage these symptoms, especially insomnia. As a result, you might end up consuming more than you'd like in an effort to manage unwanted feelings or physical distress. Number nine, you feel restless and unsettled. Narcissistic abuse can sometimes be unpredictable. You may not know whether they're going to criticize you or surprise you with a gift. If you don't know what someone will do or say at any given moment, you might develop a lot of tension from needing to regularly prepare yourself to face conflict. Worries about the constant stream of criticism and how best to handle the abusive behaviors you're beginning to recognize can also leave you constantly on edge you may not even know how to relax anymore. It might even feel unsafe to let your guard down. Number 10, you don't recognize yourself. When facing abuse, many people eventually adjust their self-identity to accommodate the abusive partner. Your partner insists when you go out with your friends, you're telling me you don't love me. You'd rather see them instead. Of course you love them. So you stop going out with your friends. Next, you give up your hobbies, skip after work drinks with coworkers, and eventually cancel your weekly visit with your sister. You spend time doing what your partner wants to do. So they know you really do care. These changes often lead to a loss of your sense of self, which can leave you feeling lost and empty. 
and you might have a hard time enjoying life and lose sense of your sense of purpose. Number 11, you have trouble setting boundaries. Someone engaging in narcissistic abuse often has little respect for boundaries. When you try to set or enforce limits, they might challenge them, completely ignore them, or give you silent treatment until you do what they want. Eventually, you might give up on your boundaries entirely. Once you end the relationship or get distance from the narcissistic parent, you promise yourself you won't answer their calls and texts or see them again. If they know they can eventually wear you down though, they might not let you go easily. Instead, they keep calling and texting in hopes of getting you to set aside your boundaries again. If you've experienced narcissistic abuse, you might also have trouble setting healthy boundaries in your relationships with others. And number 12, you have symptoms of anxiety and depression. Anxiety and depression commonly develop as a result of narcissistic abuse. The significant stress you face can trigger persistent feelings of worry, nervousness and fear, especially when you never know what to expect from the behavior. You might feel hopeless or worthless, lose interest in things that used to bring you joy and struggle to see any more hopeful outcomes for the future. It is also common to have a lot of confusion over what has caused them to change so abruptly, especially if you don't know much about narcissism. You might shoulder the blame for the abuse, perhaps believing their accusations, that you must not care about them enough, or blaming yourself for failing for their or falling for their deception in the first place. Either can add to the feelings of worthlessness and further diminish your self-esteem. When working with clients who fall into the above category, their first explanation as to why they experience some of the types of these symptoms is because there is something wrong with them. They are unlikely to accept that someone else's behavior, usually a parent or a partner, was a causative factor in the problems that they are currently facing. People on the receiving end of narcissistic emotional abuse tend to have very low self-esteem and interpret those issues which cause them difficulty as being a result of their inherent inadequacies. Mandy, a client in her 40s, described the ways in which her mother slowly exerted more and more control over her siblings and herself, denying Mandy friends of her own age. I was taught at home ostensibly because my brother and I were unhappy at school. I had no friends, and when I did occasionally make a friend, mum would say that they only liked me because I was rich. I became so attached to mum, she told me everything. I was so involved in sticking up for her and became my dad's enemy. It was very stressful. Mandy had suffered from anxiety, depression, and alcohol issues from childhood. 
Her difficulties stemmed from the fact that she didn't really like herself. Her self-talk was full of criticism and she had considered suicide to end the constant pain. Despite telling her psychiatrist in detail about her mother's controlling, critical and self-absorbed behavior, Mandy found it so hard to accept the links between her upbringing and her current issues. And then suddenly, one day she did. I feel pretty furious now, to be honest, and I also don't know how I didn't see it. It seems so obvious now. It's a really freely. Like other victims of narcissistic abuse, Mandy had a long road to recovery, involving various stages from anger to acceptance to relief and eventually to self-acceptance. It takes time and sometimes years to really overcome this type of emotional abuse and move forward in a positive way. And the first step in this process is to take ownership of things which have happened to you in your past when you were in a vulnerable position and in the hands of a narcissist. Narcissistic parents exploit, bully and terrorize their children with their excessive neediness, selfish demands, hypersensitivity, unrealistic expectations, constant invalidation, and punishing rage. But neglect, both physical and emotional, also is a defining feature in the narcissistic family with a profound impact. As opposed to outright abuse, neglect is the absence of support and therefore can be difficult to identify. Even and especially for the person neglected, particularly a child. Child Welfare Information Gateway identifies neglect as the most common form of child abuse and cites data showing that chronically neglected children have more severe cognitive and academic defects and social withdrawal than children abused in other ways. This information through the child welfare defines four primary types of neglect. Physical neglect, which is a failure to meet a child's basic survival needs for food, clothing, hygiene, and shelter, and a failure to provide supervision and safe conditions. Medical neglect, a failure to meet a child's health care needs. Educational neglect, failure to ensure a child receives an adequate education to think critically and function in society. And emotional neglect, failure to provide a child with attention, affection, engagement, and other forms of emotional nurturing. Neglect in the narcissistic family. All types of neglect can occur in a narcissistic family. The narcissistic personality's extreme self-focus and low to absent concern for others inevitably translate into neglect parenting. While social pressures to fulfill parenting roles and provide the appearance of normalcy or even exceptionalism may drive the narcissistic parent to meet their children's surface needs, 
Children in such homes typically receive sporadic and highly conditional care. An infection may go unnoticed until it's severe. An unsupervised child may get injured and in trouble with the police or violated by an older child or adult. A habitually hungry child may look for steady meals at a neighbor's or friend's house. A child may be burdened with so much responsibility at home that they drop out of school. A serially ignored child may turn to drugs or self-harm to manage loneliness and depression. Children from narcissistic homes learn early on not to need. Such children are taught through words and deeds and tones and silences that in the universe of home, their parents' needs take precedence and their own are often cause for resentment and even punishment. Since we all need physical and emotional support at any age, but particularly when we are relatively helpless children with little knowledge of the world or power over our circumstances, such messages from parents are devastating. Children taught to need, taught not to need, look for ways to survive without their parents. They attempt to mask vulnerabilities and bury their feelings. Things are ultimately impossible in the long run. Inevitably, they feel shame about their normal needs and learn to fear and hate their own human vulnerability. Neglected children may appear unkempt with unwashed hair, clothes, untreated illnesses and injuries, and malnourishment. But signs of neglect, particularly emotional neglect, are often behavioural and can be seen as less obvious. Neglected children may display a range of symptoms, such as all that I've described above. Neglect is hard enough to endure for any child. But in the narcissistic home, it is often exaggerated by messages from impaired parents that they are perfect and their children are fortunate to get whatever they offer. Extremely narcissistic parents fundamentally feel that they don't owe their children anything. And when they do things for their kids, they typically expect something in return, such as profuse appreciation, compliance, or some form of service. For narcissists, relationships are transactional and they expect to get more than they give. Children quickly learn to rely on their more responsive parent to meet their day-to-day needs and to show gratitude for even the most basic gestures from their narcissistic parent. When both parents are narcissistic or otherwise impaired, children learn to manipulate to meet their needs, rely on siblings or other family members and all look outside the home. Some adapt by becoming highly capable super kids who attempt to compensate for the family deprivations. No matter how the kids cope, they pay a high price emotionally and physically that they might manifest as depression, anxiety, addiction, illness, and other symptoms of complex trauma. Children of narcissistic parents experience cognitive dissonance or conflict between reality and what they are told that is happening about the neglect in their family. They naturally feel empty, frightened and angry about their parents' neglect but constantly receive the message that their parents are above reproach. 
Narcissistic fathers may be touted as generous and dedicated providers, and mothers as loving and self-sacrificing caregivers. For children dealing with a very different reality, the neglect becomes much harder to recognize and make sense of. Most children must deny reality and all blame themselves rather than confront the stark fact that the family line is a lie and the care that they are getting is tragically deficient. These are just a few examples of how narcissistic personality disorder can cause such distress and abuse to their victims. I could go on and on with stories and information about this disorder and how their victims have their lives impacted. And still there is more research that can be conducted to look into this disorder. And I always think maybe we are trying to pigeonhole too many traits into one disorder when in fact it could be many different sort of factions and maybe not just narcissistic personality disorder, but it could be broken down into different disorders. But only time and resources and research will actually tell. This disorder, I personally think, is one of the the most contentious ones. I understand that most people think that dissociative personality disorder is but I personally think that narcissistic personality disorder is because it can go under the radar so unchecked because nobody really knows and the narcissist is so good at glossing over facts and the victim becomes so used to doubting themselves I think there's definitely ways that we can link this to my first episode where the killer actually used narcissistic personality disorder as a successful um, argument in court which I don't think he should have done but I also think that these could link to the um, domestic violence series that I actually covered as well All in all, I do think it is a very interesting subject and I do think it is a subject that definitely needs more research. There is a lot out there, but I just think that a longitudinal study would be more beneficial to see the effects of a victim, but also how the narcissist can actually work their way through life. But again, it's finding someone who actually believes that they've got the narcissistic personality disorder and wants to change. So this week I actually only used two sources. I used a book which is called The Narcissist in Your Life Recognizing the Patterns and Learning to Break Free by Julie L. Hall. It's a really amazing book and it's something if you have been affected by narcissist or narcissism in your life, whether it be a parent or a partner 
or just a friend or another family member. It's something that can really prioritize and really I don't know, shed some light on behaviors and how you can slowly start to work through yourself through those emotional abusive sort of patterns which you've had to cope with. Another source I used was Healthline with narcissistic victim syndrome. I'm sorry that I had to end that series on such a somber note, but I do think it is really important for people to understand narcissistic victim syndrome and how prevalent it can actually be that children are brought up with a narcissistic parent and how much that can take effect on their upbringing and for the rest of their lives. We tend to think of a narcissist being more of a, in a relationship or a partner, but it can stem from the parents as well. Thank you for listening to another episode of Macabre for Mortals. I'm looking again to cover a lighter subject next week to have a little break from the past three week series. I have had a suggestion to cover a few of the other Greek mythologies. I know I covered Pandora's box, but I'm going to probably do a, a few more snapshots of different Greek mythologies and where they came from and where what they actually mean. However, if you do have any content that you would like me to cover in a series like I've just done or maybe even just a lighter episode, then please drop me an email at macabreformortals at gmail.com. Please give me a DM on Instagram at macabreformortals. I'm sorry I don't do Twitter. I just don't have the mental capacity for that. <laughs> I, I've tried Twitter and I just, for some reason, cannot get my brain around it. Um, I did have more function on it probably about 10 years ago, but that's not um, something that I can really do at this part of my life. I hope you all have a great week and please keep safe wherever you are in the world and you will hear from me next week. Bye.